Lamar Jackson helped his MVP case in the Ravens' crazy Week 14 win over the Los Angeles Rams. We talk about how he did it and so much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com. Slash lockdown NFL and use code all lowercase lockdown NFL for a first buzz match up to $100. We're a five day week Ravens podcast, and of course, more when it comes to post game live streams, big news live streams. You have you covered at least Monday through Friday, and of course, on Sundays during the season with Ravens content every single day there. So be sure to subscribe however you like to listen to your podcast or watch them, whether it's in video form on YouTube, audio form, wherever you get your shows. Again, free and available wherever. So either way, you're not missing any content, audio, video. It is the same show. Tell a friend, tell a family member. And if it's your first time into the channel, welcome in. If you're an everydayer, I appreciate you being here each and every day. And if you're somewhere in the middle, thank you for tuning in as well. The Ravens, they picked up a doozy of a win against the Los Angeles Rams. It was a game that was sloppy. I thought poorly coached on both sides. And we'll get into a general recap in the second part of the show. Plus, if you want more reactions, an instant reaction, you can check out yesterday's live stream. But I do want to talk about Lamar a little bit today, and especially the MVP case. There's been some conversation about how close Lamar is to maybe capturing that second MVP. And I want to kind of get into what he did on Sunday against the Rams and how despite the completion percentage not really being there for him, why well, I, I think he helped his MVP case on Sunday. Then we'll get in the final segment into Kyle Hamilton, his injury at the time of this recording. I don't know the diagnosis on Hamilton's injury. I'm going to play both sides though. If he has to miss time, if he's out for the season or if it's nothing, we'll, we'll talk about both situations. And if you're listening, you know, after the diagnosis happens, you can, you can figure out which one I was right on. So uh, we'll see with Hamilton. We'll talk about it in the final part of the show. Let's talk about Lamar, though. It was an exciting game from start to finish. Well, not the start was a little bit disheartening for the Ravens, if we're being honest. The defense kind of got walked down the field, and the offense had some spurts of inconsistency. Now, the thing for Lamar and something, you know, let's just get the, the bat out of the way first. We know the deep ball has to be better, right? We know it does. Lamar does. Everybody knows it has to be better. Did connect on a couple of deep shots to Odell early in the game, and if you want to call the touchdown as they flowers a deep shot late, uh, third and 17, I'm not going to blame me if you do that. But there were multiple plays, can't connect with the shot Bateman. There was one where he, he threw an interception on it, and the consistency of Lamar's deep ball just hasn't been there. I am worried about that. But outside of that, I thought that Lamar was very poised for the entire game. And when you look at what you know, what qualifies an MVP, who looks at this and says, well, this stat is MVP worthy, but this stat isn't going into the game. The stats haven't updated yet at the time of this recording. 
But going into this game, Lamar Jackson, just just for some clarity here and, and some stats to make a case, Lamar, top five in completion percentage. He was top five in yards per attempt, top six in average yards per completion, top five in yards per attempt average, top seven in rating, the quarterback rating, and in the top seven and eight in net yards per attempt and average net yards per attempt. So that's what I like to kind of dictate because if you look at the yards, it's not going to be there because the Ravens have been a very, you know, even though we, we talk so often about, oh, they're going to pass so often, they're going to pass so often. In the Rams game, they did, right? Yesterday they did. But they haven't really been a pass-first team. They, they've, again, have been a heavy rushing team this season. So Lamar's yards, he's 17th in yards right now. But to me, you don't go for total yards because if you throw the most in the league, you're going to have more yards, right? If you don't throw as much, you're not going to have as many opportunities to gain yards. I like going based off of how many times do you complete a pass? What are the yards per attempt on your passes? And Lamar checks out in the top five of those categories. Now, look, there are plenty of other deserving MVP candidates here. Brock Purdy is at the top of a lot of these categories. Tua's obviously having a great season. Dak has been resurgent. You have other guys who maybe are sneaky options as well. Jalen Hurts, I know, is somebody that a lot of people have in that conversation as well. Maybe Christian McCaffrey gets the MVP as a running back. Who knows? But Lamar Jackson, one, absolutely should be in the conversation at a very low minimum. Like, that is the low minimum. But he should be one of the front runners here. I'm not saying the top front runner and everybody else is, like, pegs below him. But he is in the conversation alongside those guys I mentioned. He has been a top player in the league this year. He has led the Ravens to the best record in the AFC. First team to 10 wins here through 14 weeks. That's big for him. Interception-wise, when you look at the turnovers fumbling, yes, it's been an issue. But with qualifiers, I think Lamar was towards the top, if not at the top, in interceptions, thrown fumbles. Obviously, it's a different story. He is <laughs> at the top of that list, unfortunately. But I think that when you look at other stats, it's not just stats that determine the MVP. I think part of it should be how valuable you are to your team. Like the award is literally most valuable player. And I've been consistent saying this for years. If you're in every dare, you've heard me say it before. But I think Lamar is the most valuable player in the NFL. And look, there are plenty of other guys who can give that award to or could be in the conversation, right? Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hurts, Pert, whoever, right? You can have that conversation about plenty of players. But for Lamar, we have seen it firsthand. We have seen the examples of what happens to this team when Lamar is not there. Lamar, to me, raises the ceiling so much of this team. He is the most valuable player, and the actual MVP award is a season-to-season thing. They're not actually grading it based off of who is the most valuable player to their team, to who it should be part of it, but it's more so... It unfortunately can be a stat-driven award in ways that it shouldn't be. Like people, again, look at the passing yards and say, oh, this guy threw a bunch, so he's going to be in the conversation. But Lamar is an extremely valuable player. And part of it also is I think the thing in the Rams game that he did really well, besides being poised here, is the fact that he led the comeback from behind drive to put the Ravens ahead late. Now, obviously the Rams responded with a field goal, but Lamar did his job. Third and 17, throws a dot to Zay Flowers in the end zone. Lamar showed me, and I think he showed the world, everybody watching, that, you know, the Ravens haven't really trailed by a lot this year, right? And haven't really trailed for a lot of time this year. So there were some questions I kind of saw them popping up on social media here and there. Oh, can the Ravens play from behind? They haven't really done it this year. What's going to happen if they get down? And the Ravens weren't down by, you know, 17 points or 14 points or anything crazy. But 
there was a game that the Rams kind of had the one up on Baltimore. It was 20, 20 to 17 going into halftime. And late in that game, they needed a response. They needed a touchdown. They were down by five. And what did Lamar do? He led that team down the field, which we'll get to in the second part of the show. But just as a teaser, that touchdown drive, the go-ahead touchdown drive late in the fourth quarter by Lamar, 13 plays, 75 yards in three minutes and 25 seconds. That is MVP-level stuff. It is. Lamar helped his MVP case on Sunday. And the thing I haven't even mentioned is, and I I wanted to highlight his passing, but he's the threat as a rusher. I mean, it has to be part of the conversation as well. When you talk about what Lamar Jackson has done, it is not just about his passing. Obviously, the passing has been a big part of his ascension this season. He's looked a lot better in a lot of different aspects for the most part. But Lamar on the ground this year has been a threat. I mean, you have to consider that every single time you talk about Lamar because he is a dual threat player. He has 112 attempts, 574 yards, and five touchdowns. He's averaging the lowest yards per carry of his career outside of his rookie season, but he is still getting the job done. And I think his runs are more calculated this year. I feel like Lamar is looking to throw more this year. And, you know, as he should, he'd like like throwing the football. He's a quarterback. He's been vocal about it, and as he should be. But I think his runs, you know, he'll look in the pocket. The offensive line, I thought, played pretty well. And it's going to kind of kind of bleeding into the second segment a little bit. But when he sensed pressure and he's done it all year and he's his entire career, honestly, he's stepped out of the pocket. But this year he's he's roaming, 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 looking for a guy instead of just boom, taking off. And that's it. He's trying to get the ball down the field. But when he has to run, when he has to turn into a scrambler and pick up yards, He's still making guys miss. He's still doing his Lamar Jackson thing. There have been arguments about if he's missing a gear or not. It's a different conversation. But I think that Lamar is very well-rounded and is certainly in the conversation for that MVP and is at the top of the conversation with some of those other guys who are also deserving. So we're going to see how it plays out over the final four games. If he can lead this Ravens team to 4-0, 3-1, get them to 13-14 wins, it's going to be big for, for the MVP conversation. And coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk a bit about that Ravens and Rams game, get into the recap of it, talk about the wild and crazy ending. Some of you should have stayed tuned, a lot to get to on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And with me being a big food guy, I, I want to go get some food during the games whenever I'm watching. Maybe it's a timeout, maybe it's halftime, but sometimes there's just no good food available. I mean, that's when I know it's time to order with DoorDash and DoorDash has a bunch of different options for you, especially if maybe you're having people over for the game. If you want the game day package, you can get the pizza, the wings, the sodas, the burgers, maybe even just the buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Or if you want the stacks, you can get the chips, the dips, the nachos, everything you need to make your own nachos on DoorDash as well. And in the Baltimore area, plenty of options. A couple of my favorites, I like Sushi Hana for Sushi, Underground Pizza for Pizza. You can get 50% off of the $10 value and spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and under code LOCK23, subjects can change, terms apply. You can get prepared before game day, stock up on your favorite advertisers, and load all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win this. 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and under code LOCK23, subjects to change, terms apply. Don't forget to use code LOCK23 for 50% off of the $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, subjects to change, terms apply. We're back our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker talking with you here on this wild victory Monday. Almost wasn't a victory Monday, but Tylen Wallace helps this Ravens team go out there and 
win the game late overtime. I'm so glad if you, if you heard me on the live show yesterday, I'm so glad it did not turn into a tie ties. Just they mess everything up. It, it makes all the records weird. The tiebreakers weird. Uh, ties are the worst. And luckily the Ravens didn't lose the game either. They, there was no tie. Thankfully it was a win. This game started off pretty poorly for the Ravens, all things considered. And again, I mentioned at the top generally, I thought this was a very poorly coached game, both by John Harbaugh and Sean McVay. I don't know what happened to Sean McVay. I think he's lost it a little bit, to be honest, still a very smart football mind. Still think he's a good coach, but some of his decisions in the way the Rams were prepared, it was just mind boggling. It was crazy. I think it started very early in this game when the Rams just ran the ball down the Ravens throat on that first drive gets inside the red zone and then Sean McVay decides to throw the ball three times and they get no yards. I mean, they have to settle for a field goal. That's that's a tone setter. If the Rams go down there and they score a touchdown, pounding the rock in, maybe they don't throw a pass or they throw one pass or something like that, that's a tone setter. And I don't know how this game turns out, but Sean McVay, I think, really fumbled the bag right there, essentially, and really allowed the Ravens, especially in the second half, I think the defense – they were able to kind of gain momentum back a little bit. The Rams did put up a 17 spot in the second quarter, but I think that the Rams didn't really have a, a ton of rushing success outside of that first drive. Now it wasn't like they had none. There were certainly some runs that Kyron Williams pulled off that were really, really impressive, but I, I still think that was a huge fumble by Sean McVay. And, and then there was some plays, again, John Harbaugh did not have his best coaching day as well. Very poor clock management, in my opinion, to end the first half, saving timeouts when could have gotten his guys in better position to maybe have a player or two extra at the end of the half to put up more points than they did. But unfortunately, they had to settle for the field goal and the Ravens kept the timeout in their pocket. Also, the challenge, which John Harbaugh did say that he was just trying to play for essentially the timeout, see if there was anything that they could have overturned, but essentially played to get more time to look at the two-point conversion and see how they could stop it. I don't know how real that story is. I don't know if he was making it up, but that's that's the explanation. I'm, I'm the messenger. That's what John Harbaugh said about it. I'm not sure I totally believe it, but the Ravens won, so I, I guess it's no harm, no foul. It, it does have – it's another chapter, I guess, in the string of – interesting decisions by John Harbaugh that he's made over the past couple of seasons and some have cost the Ravens games. Some have not. We will see how it fares late down the season and into the playoffs. I do think this team makes the playoffs, but it was a, it was a weird game because again, I mentioned Lamar 24, 43, 316, three touchdowns, that one interception also had 11 carries for 70 yards, but Keaton Mitchell gets nine for 54 Gus Edwards, six for 15, but Keaton Mitchell had the 27 yard run so essentially gained half of his yards on one carry was not a great day for the Ravens running backs rushing the football, especially if you take out the Keaton Mitchell 27 or run. I mean, Gus Edwards only had a long of five on his six carries, but the wide receivers I thought stepped up the pass catchers. Honestly, I got to throw Isaiah likely in here stepped up Odell four for 97 and a touchdown Isaiah likely five for 83 and a touchdown. Dave flowers six for 60 and a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar stepped up late five for 32 Bateman, two for 24. Hill, one for 12. Keaton Mitchell, one for eight. But those first four, Beckham, Likely, Flowers, and Aguilar. And if you want to cut Aguilar out of that because he was just the late game guy, I mean, sure, but I thought Aguilar stepped up down the stretch. Lamar spread the ball out here. Ten targets for Odell, ten targets for Zay Flowers, seven for Likely, five for Aguilar, four Bateman, two Hill, two Mitchell. 
Lamar spreads the ball out a lot more than he did over the course of his rookie year. And, and as a whole, I think what I want to highlight on the offense, what impressed me the most, the offensive line played really well. And the rotations they were going through, a little interesting, right? Ronnie Stanley gets taken out on some plays and some drives for Patrick McCarry. And then Morgan Moses gets taken out on some drives for Daniel Filele. Seems like the Ravens really want to preserve those guys. And I thought as a whole, the offensive line did play well. Aaron Donald did not have a tackle in this game. They were double teaming him, triple teaming him. I do think the Ravens got away with some holds, but the Rams also got away. Both teams got away with stuff, if we're being honest. Bukunakua hooked Marlon Humphrey's arm in on a clear non-call pass interference. Should have honestly been offensive pass interference. There was a block in the back, it looks like, by Charlie Kohler on Tyler Wallace's punt return. But we don't have to talk about it again. Some holes by the Ravens. Some other penalties on the Rams that weren't called as well. Not great. The NFL officiating product has gone so downhill over the course of the last five, 10 years. It was never great. And I know being a referee is a very hard job, but this is the highest level. You get, you got to be better on both sides. Game should not be, you know, won and lost on those plays. Or they shouldn't have huge impacts on those plays. But the thing is you should, you shouldn't put yourself in a position to be in that situation in the first place. But regardless Outside of all that, I thought Baltimore's offensive line gave Lamar Jackson time to throw, saw routes develop, and I, I have to give a shout-out to the Rams' secondary, too, and maybe it's just the Ravens' lack of getting open from the pass catchers, but the Rams' secondary, Lamar was having five, six, seven seconds to throw. Lamar couldn't find him when he had, he had to take off or throw the ball into the dirt, and this was a rain game. The weather was ugly, and Lamar still pulled out this game defensively. Very impressed with the turnaround that they had. Roquan Smith, 10 total tackles, leads the team. That is no surprise whatsoever. Justin Matabike has the sack. Travis Jones gets one, too. So the Ravens, I mentioned on the live stream yesterday, they surpassed their 2022 sack total. They had 48 in 2022. They have 49 now through just 14 weeks in 2023. So they've been great in that department. We know that. But guys stepping up now. A guy who had a rough game, we got to definitely say Marlon Humphrey did not have his best game in this one. Probably his worst game of the season. Multiple big plays given up. Had a chance at the game-winning interception in the end zone and dropped that one. Now, I, I will say it was a pretty solid play by Demarcus Robinson to kind of force his hand in there a little bit, but Marlon probably should have caught that ball. Other than that, I'm not going to blame him for the pass interference. I mean, again, can't put yourself in that position, but it was a clear hook by Nakua. I mean... That that play should have never been called on Marlon. I think it was a terrible call there. But you see Calvin Noy making a huge play late in the game to kick the Rams in a field goal range, and this game went in overtime. Who knows if the Rams hit that field goal, how the game looks after that. But we do have to give flowers. We have to. Tylen Wallace. Absolutely Tylen Wallace. Comes in for Devin Duvernay, who gets injured. Who knows what happens if Duvernay is in there. But Wallace catches that point, goes up the – sideline and breaks three tackles on his way to the end zone. He wanted that badly. He had his defining career moment right here. He is a guy that deserved this moment. And you can tell that he deserved it by how his teammates were so happy for him. And I don't look, they're happy. They won the game, right? Obviously it's a big moment. They go to 10 and three, but it wasn't just about that. It really wasn't just about that because they were, everybody was gathering around Tyler Wallace patting him, giving him hugs. I mean, Baltimore picks up a magical win. I mean, it really was a magical moment watching Tyler Wallace go down that sideline. But it wasn't all great for the Ravens as Kyle Hamilton leaves the game and we are awaiting word on his status at the time of this recording. Coming up, we'll talk about what the replay showed and what it could mean if he misses some time. So be sure to stay tuned. We're a lot to get to him on the show.
first, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun. So many have had up to 25 times the money this football season. All you have to do is select two or more players. Pick more or less than the projected stats and place your entry. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. Elite created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players in different sports or leagues. For example, if you're a big LeBron James fan, just won the in-season tournament with the Lakers. You can pick LeBron and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. And Price Picks even offers a reboot policy that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who rises the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to pricepicks.com slash lockdown NFL. Use code lockdown NFL for a present box to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash lockdown NFL. Use code lockdown NFL for a first box and match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstrike, Crystal, talking with you here on this Monday. Again, I really appreciate everybody tuning in, making Locked On Ravens your first listen every day. Be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form or video form, wherever you prefer to watch or listen to your podcasts. We're building great communities on social media, video, audio, subtext, the whole nine hours. You can subscribe over on subtext too for more exclusive text conversations and more. It's, it's been awesome. And I really appreciate all the support we've gotten here. 5,000 subscribers plus on YouTube, all the audio listens. It's been great. Now for the Ravens, they're winning against the Rams. Definitely a sloppy, ugly win, whatever you want to call it, but they get the job done in a magical fashion. But Kyle Hamilton He's the guy that we're going to talk about here for a little bit because his absence, potential absence, could mean a lot for the Ravens defense moving forward. He gets injured pretty early in this game, goes out, is kind of gingerly limping off, goes to the medical tent, goes to the locker room, comes back and comes back in the game. And then there's a play late. I believe it was a run. I think Adafi Owe and Roquan Smith combined for a tackle for loss on Kyron Williams. But Hamilton kind of gets washed out of the play by a blocker, and then a second blocker comes in. And you can see his knee. I don't want to, I don't know if the term is buckle, but it kind of shoots up a little bit and then buckles a, a little. I would expect him to miss time. I hope I'm wrong. I'm, but really, I'm hoping I'm jinxing it and I'm wrong. But I would expect him to miss some time. Not saying it's season ending. I, I really hope that's not the case because he'd be a huge loss to that defense. Again, I do not know the diagnosis. I'm recording this before any updates have come out. But if he does have to miss a game or two, or maybe he misses the rest of the regular season, that would be a big loss for the Ravens' defense. I believe the stat I saw was that when Hamilton was in the game, the Ravens allowed right around four yards per play. And when Hamilton was out of the game, the Ravens allowed right around seven yards per play. So right around a three, three and a half yard difference per play with Hamilton in versus out. He's their Swiss Army knife. He does so much, and, I, and I'll use this segment to kind of give it. It's a Kyle Hamilton appreciation segment, essentially, because you don't want to have him miss a game or any time whatsoever, and his absence was felt in this Rams game, and despite the fact that the defense kind of shored up in the second half, you could kind of see places where Hamilton would have been used really effectively, and you have to kind of put other bodies there, but Hamilton, with his physique, his strength, his versatility – that's a guy you can't really replace on that defense, right? You can you can try to fill multiple voids with multiple different players, but Hamilton kind of plays multiple different roles in that defense. So Hamilton, again, the Ravens know that they are in pretty good position to at least make the playoffs. I'd be shocked if there's a collapse and they don't win a game, they don't make the playoffs. I just I can't see it happening. 
but you have to be careful with how cautious you get at this time of year because guys have to get into playoff shape, but you can't really get there if you're not healthy. And at this point, we've talked about Okadri Ismael. No one's healthy at this point. Everybody's banged up. Everybody has certain things, but maybe it's a sprain of the knee. Maybe it's a hyperextension. But if he has to miss some time, Baltimore's going to have to find other guys to step up in those roles. Is it going to be Daryl Worley? They can use Geno Stone and Marcus Williams together. I actually think that those two can play pretty well together. But you got to figure out ways to eliminate that because Hamilton's really good as a blitzer off the edge. He can play in the nickel. Obviously, he's physical in the run game and kind of establishes that tone. And the Ravens have really big physical defensive backs. And it's something we've talked about before where they wanted to be physical on the defensive side of the ball. They wanted their identity this year to be physical, and we saw that with the personnel they brought in over the course of the 2023 offseason. Hamilton is that guy. I mean, he is somebody we saw have three sacks against the Colts coming off the edge, the same play, boom, boom, boom. I mean, he is a player that you can put a lot of players in this conversation, right? Roquan Smith, Hamilton, Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey, Matabike, right? There are multiple guys he can argue. But Kyle Hamilton is one of the most important defenders on that Ravens defense. And without him, it is worrying. And hopefully it's fine. Harbaugh said he was being evaluated. So we don't know, again, at the time of this recording, what the actual situation with Kyle Hamilton is. But I'm hoping for the best because it, it'd be great to have this defense kind of hang up. They've been hitting on all cylinders for the most part all season outside of the run defense, which is a little bit of a concern. They do have to shore that up. It has been a little bit more leaky, I'll call it, than I thought it would be this season. But Hamilton's a big part there, too. It's not just coverage ability. I mean, he can he can match up against running backs, tight ends. You can put him on wideouts as well, as we've seen. He's, he just does everything for him. The thing I kind of mentioned on the live show yesterday, it's a little scary because one and a half month, two month injuries at, the, at this point in the season, those can be season ending. Because if you get injured in September – Okay, you come back in November off a two-month injury. Get injured in October, come back in December on a two-month injury. But you get injured in December, two-month injury, you're coming back in February right around the Super Bowl or later, a little later than that. So if it's a two-month thing, you're looking at maybe a season-ending injury, which is a little scary to me. If it's a one-month thing, you're probably looking at him getting back to the playoffs multiple week, like two or three. Maybe they hold him out to the playoffs if everything goes right. I don't know. But I'm really hoping that Hamilton doesn't have to miss any time. Maybe he'll be limited in practice this week. I don't know. But Ravens will have some interesting decisions to make if he does have to miss time. Again, the replay didn't look great. But, again, we saw multiple replays not look great for the Ravens a couple weeks ago with Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley, and those two guys only missed a week. So we will see what happens for the Ravens. With that, but they are 10 and 3, first team in the AFC to reach 10 wins. Still at the top of the AFC at the time of this recording. Miami plays the Titans tonight. So if Miami wins that game, they will end up in the top spot in the AFC again. But the Ravens, right now, they can claim that at least for the time being. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to subscribe, follow along here, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.